morning, church. Yes, it's me again, and I'm I'm pleased to be with you. And I uh, I hope that uh, you're all well, and uh, that yeah, God is blessing you on a daily basis as much as He's blessing me. And uh, the word I want to share with you today is a is a bit of a rambling and uh, about a few things, and uh, and 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 I hope that uh, it encourages you. So I'm going to get right into it. So, Lord, bless this word. Bless us as we hear it. Lord, bless us as we minister in your name. Amen. So if you ask most people what Christians believe, they might say, Christians believe that Jesus is God's son and that Jesus rose from the dead. But if you ask the average person how Christians live, you might be met with a different answer, with even silence. We have not shown the world another way of doing life. Christians pretty much live like everybody else. <clears throat> they just sprinkle a little Jesus in along the way. Few people are interested in a religion that has nothing to say to the world and offers them only life after death. When what people are really wondering is whether there is life before death. Tony Campolo would ask, or ask once, and I've written it down, even if there was no heaven and there were no hell, would you still follow Jesus? Would you follow him for the life, joy and fulfilment he gives you right now? I'm hopeful that I would, and yet I am convinced that Jesus did not come just to prepare us to die, but to teach us how to live. Otherwise, much of Jesus' wisdom would prove quite unnecessary for the afterlife. After all, how hard could it be to love our enemies in heaven? Mm, think about that. And the kingdom that Jesus speaks so much about is not just something we hope for after we die, but is something that we are to incarnate now, to come alive with now. Okay, so incarnate. It's not a word that everybody's familiar with especially outside the church. It's an important word that has everything to do with putting our beliefs into practice. In Jesus, the word became flesh. God puts skin on and moves into the neighborhood and he lives amongst us. That's what incarnation means. Now, we are to join the incarnation. We are to be the body of Christ. The hands, the feet of Jesus. See, God is alive in us now. Do we believe that? I hope we do. I do. Yes. We are to put flesh on God's love. So that's how they will know that we are Christians. Not by our bumper stickers or our T-shirts or our tattoos, but by our love. You know? Jesus says the kingdom is within us, among us, at hand. And we are to pray that it comes on earth as it is in heaven. No wonder the early Christian church was known as the way. Yes. It was a way of life that stood in glaring contrast to the world. That's what gave the early Christians integrity. The fact that they could denounce the empire... And all that went with it, and in the same breath say, we have another way of living. 
If you are tired of what the empire has to offer, we invite you into the way. That was the offer. In this kingdom, everything is backward and upside down. The last are first and the first are last. The poor are blessed and the mighty are cast from their thrones. And funnily enough, people were attracted to it. Funny thing, eh? They were ready for something different from what the empire had to offer. Today, though, people crave the spectacular. People are drawn to lights and celebrities, to arenas and mega churches. But in the desert, Jesus was tempted by the spectacular to throw himself from the temple so that people might believe, to shock and awe people, okay, if you will. Today, the church is tempted by the spectacular to do big, miraculous things so people might believe. But Jesus has called us to littleness and compares our revolution to the little mustard seed, to yeast making its way through dough, slowly infecting this dark world with love. Many of us today may find ourselves living differently from the dominant culture out there that we're trying to move away from. So that the way of following Jesus is made as accessible as possible to ordinary people. See, what people are drawn to is not just our words, but our example. How we live our life. Not just what we say from the pulpit, but how do we live it out there. That's what people are attracted to. No one ever promised us that community or Christian discipleship would be easy. There's a commonly mistranslated verse where Jesus tells the disciples, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is good and my burden is light. Matthew chapter 11. People take that to mean that if you come to Jesus, everything will be easy. The word good is often mistranslated as easy. Really, that's funny, isn't it? Because my life was pretty easy before I met Jesus. Then he changed it. He messed it up. He made me look at me and change. So in one sense, the load is lighter because we carry the burdens of the world together. But Jesus is telling us to pick up a yoke. Yoke has a lot of different meanings. It was a tool used for harnessing animals for farming, yes. But it was also a word used for taking on a rabbi's teaching. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Take on my teaching. Yoke was also a word used for the brutal weight of slavery and oppression that the prophets called on us to break. If you read Isaiah 58, just one of the passages that you can find it in. One of the things I think Jesus is doing is setting us free from the heavy yoke of an oppressive way of life. See, I know people, both rich and poor. Yes, I I spend some time, I mentor a local businessman who who runs a business, has about 50 employees and uh, makes, makes a lot of money. But he was so miserable, you know. 
and I spent time with him and I've been his mentor for the last couple of years and uh, I challenged him a while ago and uh, to have have a couple of weeks off at Christmas and uh, and so he did he took four weeks off and took his kids away for a holiday and he said it was the best thing that he'd ever done in his whole life was stop working and just be with the ones that he loves you see you know Jesus Jesus calls us to, to, to enjoy life, not to worry about making money and stuff. What are the things that are important? Many rich people and poor people, they're suffocating from the weight of the Aussie dream. They find themselves heavily burdened by the lifeless toil and the consumption that they put upon themselves. This is the yoke that we are being set free from. You know, the yoke of chasing money, chasing things that we think we need, but do we need them or do we want them? I read someone say that even Jesus didn't carry his cross alone. We talk about taking up our cross. You, know? you see, when we take on the new yoke, it's not easy. But remember, it's a cross for heaven's sake. Hmm? So a friend named Simon helped Jesus carry his cross. So Jesus didn't have to carry the cross on his own. So who are we to try to bear our cross alone? In fact, if our lives are easy, we must be doing something wrong. Mother Teresa used to say, following Jesus is simple, but not easy. Love until it hurts, and then love more. One of the best things I think Christian communities can do is to help people discern and redefine their vocations. Vocation comes from the same root word as voice, denoting the hearing of a divine call, beyond knowing that God has a purpose for our lives. Most of us spend little energy seeking out our vocation, especially in light of how the needs and sufferings of our neighbours might inform how we use our gifts for divine purposes. If we look around, the giftings that we have, maybe our neighbours need to, need to have them. That's why we're there. There are plenty of people who are miserable in their jobs. They have not listened to God's call. And I would add that there are many Christians who are not fulfilled in their spiritual lives because they have no sense of their gifts or purpose. And they just run onto the mission field to save souls rather than transform lives and communities using their gifts and those for those people that they live amongst. Use the gifts that you have, okay? You know, in that place where God has planted you. See the joy that can come from that. See, when we go out to the mission field, all we can at times end up with is emptiness and burned out. A vocation is when we take our passion and connect it to the world's pain. Then we do what we are gifted at and it alleviates the suffering of others. Everybody wins. Don't settle for a job. Find your vocation. Think. What an extraordinary thing it must have been to sit around a table with an eclectic bunch of people like a zealot revolutionary or Roman tax collector or peasants, Samaritans, 
prostitutes and fishermen, all conspiring to find a radical new way of life following Jesus. All these different people coming together, finding purpose, finding vocation. For some, like the tax collector Zacchaeus, who Jesus calls down from the sycamore tree where he had climbed up to see Jesus from a safe distance, the face-to-face encounter meant that his career was radically redefined, socially, economically and politically. He does not sell everything, but he sells half of everything. And then he pays people back four times what he owed them. Enacting the ancient Levitical teaching of Jubilee, where debts are forgiven and possessions are redistributed. Zacchaeus was still a tax collector, but he might have, he might have gone broke uh, eventually. But now he was a different kind of tax collector. For others, the encounter with Jesus meant that they needed to leave their jobs. Like another tax collector named Levi, or Matthew as we know him, he meets Jesus and leaves it all behind inviting his tax collector friends to join the movement. You see, some leave their jobs, but others will redefine them. We are called to non-conformity, as Romans 12 says. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but a living creature, but living a creative life, sorry, living a creative life that does not conform to the status quo doesn't mean that we'll all do the same thing. Non-conformity doesn't mean uniformity. When we truly encounter Jesus and the poor, we may still be a tax collector, but we can be a different kind of tax collector. We may still be a doctor, but we will be a different kind of doctor. It's helpful to think about who we are more than what we do. The real question is not what are you going to do when you grow up, But who are you becoming? More important than whether you are going to be a doctor or a lawyer is what kind of doctor or lawyer are you going to be? We may not consider ourselves missionaries to the poor. Traditional thinking about mission and missionary tends to assume that we are taking God to a godless people or a godless place. But God is everywhere always ahead of us. So missions is more about recognising where God is at and joining in. See, places cannot be God-forsaken. No, but they can be church-forsaken. That's the difference. Our job is to unleash hope, unlock dreams, help people to have ears to hear and eyes to see God where they are we need to move away from thinking about missions as separate from the rest of our lives our whole lives should be missional Jesus was not simply a missionary to the poor he was poor born a baby refugee in the back lots of Nazareth wandered the world a homeless rabbi died the death of an insurrectionist or bandit on a cross executed by an oppressive empire, buried in a borrowed tomb. Jesus was crucified not for helping poor people, but for joining them. This is the Jesus that we should follow.
Most belief-oriented faith communities fall short. They tell us only what they believe. They do not tell us how their beliefs affect their lifestyles. While doctrines alone are not enough, the things that we believe are still very important. <clears throat> Excuse me. Orthodoxy matters because there is some sloppy theologies out there. We need to move beyond belief-only Christianity. I think that's what Jesus meant when he said, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. In our Christian society today, we have focused almost entirely on belief. Our challenge is not just right thinking, but right living. We should consider having a rule of life that integrates belief and the practices of faith so that we consider what it means to follow Jesus as a community, as a family, and as individuals. So, in, in finishing, my challenge, my question is, what are the essential, are the essential beliefs and practices of our faith. What are the essential beliefs and practices of our faith? Not the things that we do or that we think we need to do, but what are the essential ones? And who do we look to to find that? You see, if it's all just about the cross and decisions, then what about all the stuff that Jesus did before that, that was written down? Do we just disregard that and say, I'm saved by the blood of the cross? No. We need to be saved by the cross, but then we need to do what Jesus did because we are saved by the cross. Bless you guys. May God bless us and keep us. May God empower us. May he send us into our community and be missionaries of Jesus. Amen.